1: Where today I'm delighted to say I'm joined by a gentleman by the name of Dave Morris, AKA the Mental Health Warrior. Dave, very very warm welcome to you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me. And um, you're you're obviously as listeners will detect straight away you're originally from the states, but now be living in uh, you're now living in Denmark, I believe.
0: Yeah, that's right, Paul. I um, after I retired from the military after 22 years, uh, I moved to Denmark. Uh, married to a Dane and uh, living in Copenhagen with my three children
1: excellent and I know that uh, from the conversations Dave that we've had off here that you want to talk to us today about a very very powerful subject in life that uh, if if it's happened within our vicinity can have a massive massive knock-on effect and I'll just introduce this Dave um, as four simple but massively powerful words and that's Suicide prevention. Let's talk. So, Dave, let's talk.
0: Yeah, let's talk about it, uh, Paul. Uh, this is a very deep subject uh, close to my heart. I am a two time uh, suicide survivor. I first tried to kill myself in 2010 and I didn't succeed, but uh, I damn sure was trying to. And um, I was uh, in a hospital for about a week or 10 days. And I don't even remember what, what happened afterwards. Apparently, um, I was on a breathing machine. And then I woke up with, uh, in a lockdown psychedelic ward, or psychi- psychotic ward, not psychedelic, uh, psychotic ward, uh, with my hands and my arms tied down because I had a uh, psychotic drug. What do you call it, uh, Paul? Psychosis. and so i was uh i was i was uh not in a very good state and i thought i recovered from that afterwards i got plenty of help went to the doctor talked to all kinds of psychiatrists and uh it hit me again depression is a strong strong uh, element and it came back to me in 2015 where i again uh went down with depression and uh came up with the idea to try to kill myself again apparently but uh, that's, a, that's another story, and I didn't succeed. Um, and I didn't get quite to the point where I was actually in a hospital or really did any self-harm. So this subject is very, very close to my heart. I've watched friends uh, kill themselves, succeed. Uh, we got an epidemic on our hands, and uh, the main target is men. And most of the men, they're white men. Uh, they have a double... Two times as high of a suicide rate more than twice than uh, black, Asian or Hispanic men. Uh, So we have an epidemic on our hands and uh, I want to do my part and uh, speak my truth about it. And um, maybe I can inspire others to get help before it's too late, Paul.
1: Absolutely. And I just want to come in at that point, Dave, if I may, and ask... Um, I mean, I think I know the, the answer, but I don't want to be assumptive and certainly not from the perspective of the listener. So I'd love your take on it, Dave, in terms of, you know, the, 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 the much higher rate amongst guys compared to, to girls or, uh, or men ver- against women in this, this, this epidemic. And I don't think it's wrong to call it or label it epidemic, Dave. Why is that? Why is it so much higher amongst guys than it is girls, so to speak?
0: Well, I think you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of bravada, a lot of uh, machismo involved in it. No doubt about that. We are men. Uh, we just don't have those conversations with each other, Paul. Mm. Um, we want to we want to impress our buddies. We want to think we want them to think we're tough. We want to think them that we're not whining about our feelings. And I mean, that's not what I see. What w- with what what I want to accomplish with men. I just want to say. Let's have an open and honest conversation. If you're hurting, then come and talk to me. Feel free. I'm not going to judge. But I think women have that down a little bit better. They talk amongst themselves uh, a lot better than men do. And, you know, uh, it could be cultural. It could be religious. It could be many things. But we're just not doing it. And we're not reaching out to our buddies and saying, hey, I'm not feeling good mentally. You know, it's okay when somebody wants to help somebody when they got a broken arm or a broken leg. Because we can see that, oh, my buddy needs help. But when it's inside, you can't tell because some people can hide it very well. And, uh, you know, depression doesn't care who you are, how much money you have, what your wh- what what country you come from or what religion you are. It's going to find you uh, if you're getting into the right circumstances. It will find you if you don't com- communicate about your problems, if you don't communicate to other men. Or you can reach out to women as well. but I think us as men, we have that pride thing, and that's going to kill us. Pride will kill us.
1: Yeah, absolutely, David. It's that. Um, it's that conditioning, isn't it? That from a very early age, and I call it "big boys don't cry," and you know, you just get on with it. And and I also draw the the metaphoric example, Dave, of, of us being brought up to be like oak trees—solid, stern, resolute. We'll never give. We'll never give. We stand steadfast. Well, that's all right until one of life's almighty storms comes across and uproots us and then we've gone. That's the only challenge with that. Better surely that we're we're like a willow that just goes with the wind. And yes, we might be sort of blown to the ground, but because of that flexibility that a willow has, it simply returns to the way it should be. And I think for me, Dave, that's a great metaphor for for us guys, dear, I say, to to share these insights that, do you know what, guys? We're not oak trees. We never have been and we never will be. And it's about changing the whole language, isn't it? And and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, because I do want to hear more about your, your insights around this as we dig deeper. But for us to show as guys and, and male role models that, do you know what? It is okay to cry and it is okay to talk about feelings. And do you know what? Horror of horrors it's okay to show vulnerability because it ain't weakness, you know? I mean, would you agree no, with absolutely. that, Dave?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, when you say, you know, it's okay for boys to cry, and I've, I've, of course, I've talked to my own teenage sons about this topic, and, you know, if you're not feeling good, you need to come to me. I'm not. We're not talking about a bunch of guys walking around in a circle, you know, crying, and, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but what I'm saying is that you know we all need a shoulder to cry on sometimes. We all need a safe space. We all need a place to say, you know what, I'm not going to be judged. This is a safe place, whether you're a mentor or you're a friend, because a real friend will not judge you if you're not feeling very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point of the matter is, is that you need to be able to express yourself without shame, without any consequences, and when you do that, when you do that, you will have a much healthier life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's metaphorically, yeah, again, David, we're like sponges as human beings, are we not? Where We soak up the pressures of life and we soak it up. I mean, I think metaphorically women have learned through their own support networks to keep wringing those sponges out. So they are more kind of flexible and it's you know they do bounce back quicker, but guys, no, we just we just suck it up. We just keep look how much we can hold, look how much we can take until something gives. And the reality is, uh, and I speak as a label that's been given me over the years, Dave and, and yet again, I know that we've had this conversation, an alpha male. Well, yep. just for my own responsibility and my own story, and my own journey, which I take total total responsibility for now. Do you know what world? this guy wants to wring his sponge out regularly as well because it's the only way forward so i don't know what your thoughts are around that as well dave
0: no i would just like to add paul i mean you're absolutely right uh it's i grew up i mean i'm just going to tell something quick about me i mean i grew up with that uh you know the vietnam era males the world war ii males as my grandfather you know this whole You know, just get on with it. This, uh, you know, boys don't cry type of thing like we were talking about earlier. And, you know, I I, I thought that that was how a dad was supposed to act, you know, and uh, maybe I held a lot a lot inside and I didn't want to talk about my feelings. And and I thought that this is what I'm showing my son, who's now 16, and I don't want him to be like that. Not that I want him to sit around and cry, but I want him to feel free enough to be able to express himself. So he's seen me vulnerable plenty of times. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being being a role model like that, because mm-hmm. I know that that's going to make him stronger in the end. Uh, showing your weak, showing you that you're you're vulnerable, and that you're not feeling good inside, is not a weakness. It's actually a stronger part of you. It's actually a stronger part of you to show, because it takes more courage to do that. It's easy to hide our feelings. It's easy to hide our vulnerabilities. But to express them out loud because they're actually bothering us inside takes true strength.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And before we go on uh, Dave to some of the techniques, I know that uh, uh, you've got some great techniques to share with us, but I want to park that temporarily if I may, and just kind of have a little dive in uh, for the benefit of the listeners to, you know, to put into context, your journey, Um, and not least serving many, many years within the American military, which, I think you know, as a general statement, wouldn't be for the faint-hearted. Do you you care to take us on that uh, little journey, Dave?
0: How you want to talk about where what I've been? Where I've been? Not well,
1: not not so much, you know, where you've been necessarily, but around your kind of long-time service in the American military, and maybe the culture that prevailed within that. Of yeah, um, okay. Of. Big boys don't cry. I mean, I'm kind of asking that as a question because obviously I've not served in the American military, so I'm not aware of that culture, but I'm just trying to reinforce Dave, what this is about for me is irrespective of whether that was the background or not, this kind of conditioning that guys go through and I can only imagine and please correct me if I'm wrong, that being in the military and certainly as a uh, as a veteran, you know, a long-standing serviceman, that actually, well, I'm going to hold it there. I'm not going to make any assumptions. I just want to lead you in there, Dave, for you to paint a picture of how that affects guys generally, without going too deep, obviously, um, around any specifics, if that's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, no no problem. No, I, okay, I see exactly where you want to want to go with this, Paul. No, it's, uh, you know, when you're a young, uh, impressionable guy and you join the military, you know, Programmed to take orders. You're not programmed to show your feelings. You're not programmed to cry, bitch, or complain. You're programmed to take an order. And you know, when you grow into the military system, that 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 continues. Maybe not as intimidating when you're young, when you're a young guy coming in, but you know, we all take orders from somebody. So that culture is different, no doubt about it. Um, a real quick story uh, about two weeks ago. They had three active-duty young guys on a American aircraft carrier. They had three of the service members that committed suicide, and they're calling it a cultural, uh, you know, a cultural thing on the ship, a bad leadership, all these things. But the fact of the matter is, is that these are three people, individuals that were programmed to just take orders, and they get frustrated, and they're away from home, and. They're not expressing that to somebody. They're holding it all in because it's always mission first. Your feelings come second. The mission is first. Everybody knows that, whether mm-hmm. no matter what branch of the service you've been in. Uh, but when you get a little bit older and you start to realize and you stop with it, you continue that into civilian life. and uh, You don't have your buddy support system around you. Not that you're sharing your feelings with them, but you know that they're there. Uh, you can get lost you can get lost by yourself uh, as a matter of fact uh, veteran suicides there's been roughly 4600 active duty veteran suicides in 2019 alone and this is this is probably higher now this is a couple months old by now that's more than the entire iraq war since 2002 so these are huge huge numbers that's why i keep calling it an epidemic yeah because it is an epidemic um 800,000 people a year, 3,000 a day, one every 40 seconds, Paul. Wow. Yeah, these are huge numbers. Mm.
1: So I just, I asked that uh, particular question, Dave, to I suppose just reinforce the nature of, um, I think it's fair to say pressure on guys. You know, we're we're born with this. Well, we're not born with it, but we we amass these labels, this conditioning, don't we? Of you know. And I can't get I can't get past Dave any further than big boys don't cry. Just suck it up, boy. Just get on with it. Just deliver, as you say, mission first, and the rest is oh you know just the rest is whatever you want it to be. But you know you win at all costs. I mean that's certainly part of my conditioning, and it never felt right, Dave. I've become very good yeah. at it, but it didn't feel yeah. right. And there was a pressure that went with that. Um,
0: no, there is, there is a pressure that goes with that. And also, you know, it's not just the men that need to, men that are suffering now that need to express themselves and seek help or seek to talk, talk about their, their emotional, emotional trauma that may be going on inside of them that they may be carrying from their childhood. But also as a parent, you're now passing it on to your kid or your young man that you're trying to protect and guide into life as well. If you sit there as a man today, as a father, and say, you know, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to hear your shit. I don't want to talk about your feelings to mm-hmm. some of these young men. You're just setting the next generation back up for it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's this continual cycle of uh, we're just not listening to each other. We're not even trying to reach out because we don't want to be bothered we're either too scared to express ourselves or we don't want to be bothered by listening to somebody else.
1: And that, you know, that responsibility, uh, David, shared, isn't it? You know, obviously for, for guys to drop the mask, but also for, dare I say, the more feminine energy or female that may be in his life. And, and I refer, um, and I'm talking very generally now, not specifically about this, but cult, what might be cultural difference differences i mean in certainly you know some parts of the world the more eastern part of the world is this kind of exactly what you've said you know whether it's male or female dave it just you know you deliver, don't show feelings don't show just do it just do it you know uh, everything is black and white there's no gray area about emotions and i just kind of as you were speaking there dave was thinking of a hypothetical situation where you could have a guy that's come into terms with some of his stuff from the past and is letting that mass slip now to the point of showing vulnerability. But maybe um, his partner, who could be from you know the more Eastern culture, where we just, uh, we, even as women, we don't show feelings, we just deliver. How there could be an imbalance there. So it's not just about the guy, is it? It's, it's this whole kind of attack on this vile, vile epidemic that... That's going to win the war and I, and I deliberately use that graphic language because for me, Dave, and, and you know I speak from experience here, and yet again, I'd love to hear your thoughts about, oh, Paul, whoa, you know let's let's simmer this down a bit. No, let's not, let's ramp it up. Let's get out there, and let's yeah. get in the face of this adversity. That's my take upon it, Dave, and I offer that back to you for whatever thoughts you may have.
0: I love that. it is I mean this is the new war. We're just not talking about it. That's the problem. That's why we're here talking, you and I, is that it is a big, huge war. It's taken more people than a regular war. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's, it's insane. Uh, I was wanted to get back to something you said about, you know, uh, cultural differences, things of this nature. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, of course, of course, a man wants to be strong. Every man wants to feel good inside themselves, that they're the man, that they don't want their their partner to look at them that they think them they're weak or whatever you know I get that I get that I mean I don't I don't feel emancipated uh, by 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 getting on this journey that we're talking about now to trying to be the mental health warrior to try to share my opinions and 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 be a voice for people that are suffering and men are suffering uh, with depression uh, suicidal thoughts uh, whatever whatever your mental health disorder is. Uh, by talking openly and honestly about it my partner doesn't look at me any differently she knows that that's actually that's actually a strong virtue to be able to do that yeah. uh and that, that goes back to that whole crying thing i i mean listen i'm not crying in my partner's arm every night uh you know we talk about it when i'm not feeling good and the gray areas will still pop up it doesn't just leave i have it under control uh, but I have certain things that I do for me that what works for me to be able to get out of that cloud because you know depression is like a big dark cloud in your head and that's the best way I could describe it. It's like being in a black hole and those of you, of your listeners that know or, or suffer from depression know exactly what I'm talking about. They probably describe it as a black hole as well and that is a really good way to describe it but you need to figure out what works for you and how you can get out of that type of a, a situation and live a more healthy life, but being vulnerable with your partner—if your partner really loves you, which they should—they uh, they will understand that. You know, you don't always have to be the the one that they cry on or they, that that they lean on. You can lean on your partner as well. It's called an equal 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 uh, partnership for a reason.
1: Absolutely, and it brings in the question. And uh, that's maybe another time, another place, Dave. But that energy that we all are, you know, as as physical human beings, everything in the world, as we know, is is energy. And within that energy form, even with the most alpha male of guys, will be some form of feminine energy. And as you alluded to there, Dave, you know, the, the more feminine energy, stroke, wife, stroke, girlfriend, partner, mother, sister, call it what you will, will appreciate that because for me... That is the mark of a real man that he can embrace that you know not you know not in the main, but he can have that sort of empathy yeah, yeah. with the feminine energy and still maintain his boundaries on his own masculinity and lead from the front when that's needed, but also like the willow, you know sway with the partner as the winds of life blow them together rather than that standalone staunch oak tree that I referred to earlier on.
0: Exactly. I mean, I'll be the first one to jump in front of a bus in front of anybody. I'll be the first one to jump in front of a a bullet in front of my, for my, to protect my partner. Uh, She knows that that's just who I am. That's how I'm programmed. But I also, if I'm not feeling good, I don't have a problem saying, you know what? I need to talk to you a little bit. I'm not, not feeling really good in my head right now. I don't have a problem with that either. Mm -hmm. So there's a balance with all this, you know, Uh, but being vulnerable, I will stress once again to anybody who's listening, is not a weakness. It's an inner strength.
1: Yeah. And what we've identified, Dave, I feel to get us to this point is obviously the power of conversation. I mean, you know, you and I are cases in point where, you know, we're prepared to fly the flag and, you know, really get out there in the face of, of this war and this adversity and this, this disgusting epidemic but from your own point of view Dave when people say okay it's all right you two guys speaking on a mic and you've both got nice lives now and you're okay so you might have a bit of had a troubled past but I'm still in the thick of it you you guys you two you two tell me how 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 do I do it and obviously as I say Dave we've discussed the merits of you know that cathartic nature of either writing about it or talking about it. So I just invite you in, really, Dave, to share. You know any techniques or any insights that can um, that can chip away at this this darkness.
0: Yeah, no problem, uh, Paul. You know, of course, everybody's everybody's an individual, and everybody's going to have something that works for them. But to get back to your first part, uh, the reason. I, I'm a, a kid from the inner city. I, I grew up with a single mom, never met my dad, uh, was very poor. Um, it's taken a long journey for a lot of different reasons for me to get to this point right now to say, you know what, I survived this and now I want to make a difference. But some of my best things that I use, some of my preventive measures, and I know this first one is going to sound a little cliche, but if you're, if you're feeling depressed, or you're having some suicidal thoughts, the first thing you need to do is just breathe freaking deeply. Exhale, breathe, breathe, breathe. You got this and you deserve happiness. You can do this. Because when I first was getting into that kind of a mode, I never even thought, how can I stop myself? How can I, you know, just always have that in your brain that you need to just stop and breathe. Uh, Something else I would say is remove any access to something that's a self-injury, remove. If you if you if you're going to maybe hurt yourself with alcohol, drugs, or firearms, then maybe you shouldn't have a gun, or you shouldn't have a bottle of liquor in your in your house. Remove those things from your house because if the, if the depression gets so deep that you can't breathe, and you go for something like that, then you have you've eliminated another thing that could possibly to take take yourself take take uh, to kill yourself. Uh, I will never have a firearm. I've grew up with firearms my whole life. I know they're they're illegal in a lot of countries, but I grew up with them all the time, but I will never have one. I'm a double suicide survivor. I will never have a firearm. Uh, I don't hope that depression ever gets that close to me, but I will never have one for the rest of my life. At least I'm smart enough to not to do that. Um, And you need to talk to someone, anyone. Communication is key. I don't care if you got, grab a guy off the street and start talking to him, say, hey, I'm not feeling so good. I've gone to people where I've seen them sitting by themselves and I can tell they're not in a good place. And I'll sit down next to them as a complete stranger and say, listen, I know I can tell you're not feeling very good. Uh, I'm right here. So it's okay to reach out to somebody even if you don't know them. You can tell when somebody's not doing good. If they're sitting alone, they look depressed, ask them what's wrong. It's, it's called being a good neighbor. Yeah. Exercise and walk, and getting outside and developing a routine that works for you. Outdoors is very important, getting fresh air. Exercise, I I exercise every day. I need to get that out of my system, that angst, that anxiety, that I just need to get my mind clear every day. And I do that every morning. I have a routine that works for me. And last but not least, you should keep a hotline number in your phone. If you get to a point where nothing else is working, at least hit the hotline number and talk to somebody there because these are trained professionals that deal with these type of things. I don't know the number in uh, your area, Paul, but uh, they're everywhere around the world. There's a hotline, a suicide hotline number, and you should put it in your phone instead of just having a piece of paper with you. Mm -hmm. These are some of the things that work for me.
1: Yeah, good, good practical steps, very good practical steps, Dave, absolutely. Um, if, um, if I can just be allowed to share very briefly on something that worked for me, and this is, I suppose, it's so easy to talk about it now, looking back on what I call the three pillars of life, and, and I won't dive into any of them in any detail. I think that's, you know, between us, Dave, that is definitely another conversation we can have, a lot, you know, under this uh, suicide prevention, let's talk theme later on. But for the, for now, to keep it really simple and, and, you know, listeners have heard me say this so many times that it's, the, for me, it's the three pillars of life, the three Ps, purpose, prosperity and philanthropy. And in very simple terms, the purpose is give me a reason to get out of bed in the morning, whatever that would be. Now, for many years, mine was drink addiction and that you know, wasn't a very good reason, but it was a reason. And it was better than the alternative, uh, which, like yourself, Dave, uh, happened to me twice, or I was part of it twice, should I say, first time at 13 and a half, and then more latterly in, when I was in my adulthood. So that purpose, reason to get out of bed, well, I was yeah. barely existing on the bottle every day.
0: Yeah.
1: So then what I realized is, well, there needs to be more what I term prosperity. Now, people refer to prosperity normally as financial. But what about that love and that support of our kids? The things that we might take for granted, that, you know, we've got people around us that really, really do care. And the commonality here, Dave, is if, just if, we can drop that male ego pride and just reach out a bit and start to embrace that that love and that warmth and and things that are out there but actually are in us at source, but we've kind of lost our way. So that's the prosperity. And the philanthropy is we've learned these messages. We've learned the hard way. It's our responsibility yeah. to under philanthropy. And yet again, that's not financial for, to give back. Let's share these lessons. Let's share these messages. Let's share this love, this power, this support to reach out to brothers and sisters across the world and say, do you know what guys, there is a war going on. Are you in? Are you out? Are you out? And I know from that conversation, Dave, that the vast majority of people do want to be in. They just want to be invited in.
0: Exactly. I mean, I, uh, I feel that I had a second and a third chance in life. Um, I did not um, want to, leave this earth. But I almost did. And now I feel that either through a divine intervention or whatever my story is, that I'm here now. So I want to help others. And I want to be a part of this war. I want to, I want to succeed in this war. I want us to win this war. And I want to be there for all my brothers and sisters. I want to say, you know what? I've been through it. Let me help or let's help it together, let's combat this together, because uh, this epidemic is not going to win, we will.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, 100%. As we start to um, to wind down now, Dave, um, I want to ask you a really big question, but I'm going to park that for a moment. So I've just seeded that to let you... So, well, oh, blimey, where's he coming from now, as I always do? Um, but, <laughs> yeah. So no pressure. Um, yeah. But before I do that, Dave, you know, it, truly, I, I want to I wanna thank you and I want to honour you for really, really... You know, putting yourself out there, showing that vulnerability, leading from the front, raising the conversation, raising the vibration, using graphic terminology, uh, you know, that we've used from the streets to say, "Okay, if you want this, you can have it because we're up for it. And so I really want to honor that as a fellow. uh, I don't know what the word is, Dave, street person uh, from many years ago. But uh,
0: I think you and I, Paul, you and I, Paul, are what's, what's called OGs. (laughs) <laughs> that's an american term It's called old gangsters from the
1: street <laughs> i think i think some way Dave, there's a veiled compliment in that and i do accept that um honorably thank you
0: yeah <laughs> um, no problem
1: yeah my grandkids listening to this thinking well yeah but you're nearly 60 now perhaps you need to drop that one but i, I honor that i really do um yeah. so in terms of reaching out to you then Dave, what's uh, how can people get in touch with you
0: well, I have a website, uh, and, and it's called uh, www.district. That's like, I don't know if you can hear it distinctively, yeah. but like a district, like a school district. Yeah. So it's www.district.one. That's my website, uh, Mental Health Warrior. And feel free to come and uh, drop me a line. Uh, contact me. Um, yeah. And browse my website. Uh, And we'll take it from there.
1: Superb. Thank you, Dave. And finally, by way of bringing things to a close then, Dave, the one big question. So I want you to imagine the proverbial elevator pitch. You've got 30 seconds in an elevator with somebody and you've only got 30 seconds and... The one big powerful message, Dave, that you're gonna to leave to the world. The one. I mean that I know that we could talk for hours about this, but I wanna, you know, I want you to sort of get honed in on that one message for 30 seconds to, to shout to the world. What would it be, Dave?
0: My message to the world would be listen, suicide and depression is killing men. And the reason it's killing men, mostly men is because we're not talking to each other and we're not expressing ourselves and we're teaching our sons not to express ourselves themselves and if we continue on this path we're going to have higher numbers every year for the rest of our lives and our sons and their sons are going to live in shame by not being able to express themselves because we were unable to do it ourselves and
1: that says it all dave thank you
0: Thank you, Paul.
1: So there we have it, listeners, the truly authentic. And I do mean that word as well, because as I've said many, many, many times before, particularly within the personal development and self-improvement industry, the word uh, word authentic is thrown around sometimes like confetti. uh, And I'm sure you'll agree with me from the power that's come from and the authenticity that's come from Dave is absolutely authentic. So... At that point, all that remains for me to say, listeners, as as I always sign off with, remember, no matter what you do in life, always walk your path with heart.
0: Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.